0: you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org.
1: I guess it's been about five years, going on five years now, that um, I felt something stirring on the inside of me. I guess it's been longer than five years, but five years is when it all kind of began to come to pass. But I, I, I knew there was something inside of me that was bigger than my, my current surroundings. Anybody know what they're talking about? There's just something on the inside of you that's just unsettled. You just, you, you see, you have dreams, you have visions, you have, and I don't mean like spiritual dreams and visions, you have like real ones. Like you just know there's more in you. And, and, and I'd come to a place in my life where I was kind of real complacent. And um, I got aggravated, frustrated, probably even mouthy, uh, because I was just unhappy with everything around me. I'd find fault in everything. Reason, not that it wasn't, there wasn't fault to be found, it just... What was spurring a lot of that was a lot of what was going on inside of me because there was something inside of me that was ready to explode. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just there's just something, in on there's just something there. About five years ago, um, I got launched out, and in, in in the launch, I remember going to preach. I never desired to start a church. It was just wasn't something I wanted to do because I was I'd been in that for a long time and. I enjoyed the radio part of doing—we were doing radio at all over, like, you know, five states and 25, 26 stations. My book was coming out, and I, I was just preaching at different places and had a, a couple of businesses. So things were—I was kind of content with that, so I wasn't going to start a church. But I had been invited to go speak at a place up in Beckley, West Virginia, at a place where they were having a, a, a community rally where all kind of city people were coming together and some churches were coming together, and it was right on the heels, really on the same week— of when I was you know, b- released to launch out, whatever that looked like, whatever that meant. And here I was, gonna launch. And I went up there kind of in a tailspin, raw as I could possibly be, and I remember up there looking at all these people that were there, and I had a team of people that were with me, and um, I remember looking out at the people going, there's, there's, there's more than what we've experienced this far in life. There just is. And I don't know how to get there. I don't know what it even looks like. But what the Lord gave me was a real quick impression of when Jesus was coming up out of the water, well actually when he was coming down into the Jordan, John the Baptist was in the Jordan River baptizing all of these people. And as he was baptizing them into repentance, he was the, the, the family of the priest. I mean, he was the, the guy that was coming next in line. He just wasn't in the synagogue or the temple. He was down in the water, he was out in the wilderness. It didn't fit the mold, it just didn't fit the mold. He should have been by, 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 by the way the scripture re- reads and the way it should be, is that he was going to be in the synagogue, in the temple with his dad and uh, his dad was Zechariah gonna pass the torch to him and he would just carry on the priestly, the high priest's uh, role. However, he, it didn't happen that way. He was out in the wilderness. He was in a different place carrying out the same duties. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking up on the scene. And when Jesus comes walking up on the scene, after John baptizing all these people in the Jordan River, Jesus looks up and he sees this man come walking in there, it was his cousin, now he's 30 years old. John the Baptist is 30 years old, he looks up, he sees this man walking across there, and he goes, ah, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Man, John pointed him out, spotted him and said, gosh, here's the lamb, because the lamb, the the priest's role was to spot the lamb, look at the lamb, inspect the lamb, and okay the lamb. So when he saw the lamb that was now a man, the order of everything was changing. So the way you thought it was supposed to be, if you read that in the scripture, going from the Old Testament to the New Testament, John was changing an order, but he was fulfilling a prophecy. You just didn't know it. So it was unorthodox. So, and all this was coming to me, and I was reading this on my way to Beckley. And I look at this. uh, Jesus says, Behold the Lamb, or John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist looks at Jesus. Jesus comes down in the water to be baptized. And and John says, Whoa, I I need to be baptized of you. You're the king, You're, you're the Lamb, you're the one. I need to be baptized of you. Jesus says, You don't understand. I need you to baptize me so righteousness can be fulfilled. Change the order again. The way we thought it was gonna be, it was different. So there's a series of changes and paradigm shifts and, and switches that look like it just doesn't meet the natural mind. So Jesus looks at him and he says, you gotta be baptizing me, John. I know, we're, I, know, I know what you're saying, but you're gonna have to do this for me. So John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, When Jesus goes down in the water and he comes up, all of a sudden a a, a voice from heaven said, this is my son, this is my beloved son. So when he said this is my beloved son, he then said, whom I'm well pleased. He said whom I'm well pleased and he never even has, has done his first miracle. He had no ministry at that point. He was 30 years old coming up on the scene getting ready to be baptized, getting ready to go into his ministry but there was nothing that happened that would have made what we know as his father proud as far as performing. He never had one act. He didn't do one miracle. He didn't take water and turn to wine. He didn't do any of that yet. So the father identified him and affirmed him before he had did anything, before he did any one, one ounce of ministry. Then it says, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit drove him to the wilderness to be tempted of the enemy. And I used to think a lot of, you know, you know come on God, you're, you're driving him and leading him to be tempted out here in the, in the wilderness? To be, yeah, wrestling around for 40 days? Yeah, he, he's out there, all, all. Well, right before he was, when the water, he came up out of the water, I forgot to tell you that the Holy Spirit came upon him as a form of a dove and remained. Then he sent him to the wilderness to be what I call equipped. You're equipped when you're living life. Circumstances and trials and wrestling matches are equipping centers. It's the best preparation for your next season. And many people are trying to get past this time of what we call equipping because it's a trial and tribulation. If you'll see every trial, every tribulation, every struggle as equipping you for the next season of your life, you'll learn to appreciate the patterns and the things you go through. You won't know it's going to take you out or take you down. It's going to take you in. Right? So he identified him. He affirmed him. He equipped him in the wilderness. And after those 40 days of him battling, he came up out of that wilderness and was released to be the expression of his father in everyday real life. And the Lord gave us a name, Expression Church, to be the expression of Christ in everyday real life. What's our mission? Our mission is to identify. How do we identify? We identify people for the Christ and the essence of Christ that's inside of them. Before they ever even know how good they are, we spot it. Well, what about the ones that have gone through a divorce and are really been tailored out and they've gone through bad things and they've even caused some of these problems for themselves? Oh, no, you don't understand. That's my sister, that's my brother. That's, no, no, you don't, you don't. We'll, 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 fight, we'll fight for you. Yeah. We're, we're in this together. You hear what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. We identify him. We identify because Christ doesn't reject anybody. I don't care how bad they are. I don't care how good they think they are. He didn't reject the prideful either. We just love him through it. Yeah. Is that all right? So he identified him. We identify because there is Christ and good in everybody. Now we can focus on their problems, we can focus on their issues, we can focus on their past, we can focus on all these things over here, but what really ends up happening is, we end up dealing with all kinds of flesh, and the more you deal with flesh, the more flesh you have to deal with. I've said this for a long time, and it bears repeating this morning, is that I've learned that flesh is nothing but dirt, because you were made out of the dust of the ground. And when you're made out of the dust of the ground, you're made out of, it's flesh. And, and when, the, when, when the enemy was cast to the ground, and he, he told him, he said, you, you, you tricked Eve, now he's, you got Adam, and now on your belly you're gonna crawl, but of the dust of the ground you're gonna eat. So the, the, what's gonna satisfy you is flesh. So what satisfies and fulfills the enemy, the, the devil, is flesh, right? And, and flesh is made of dirt. And so I've learned, if we go out here this afternoon and dig a, a, a foot in the ground, you get dirt. If you dig three feet in the ground, you get more dirt. You dig six feet, you get dirt. What I've learned, the minute you start focusing on somebody's flesh, you peel one layer of flesh off, guess what you get? Another layer of flesh. You deal with their hateful attitude, next thing you know, you got their pride. And thing you just keep peeling, and before you know it, you're dealing with nothing, become flesh managers. And what, what, what the enemy wants is you to be so focused and conscious on your weaknesses, insufficiencies, insecurities, and your flesh, that you forget, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's pleased with you before you do anything. He's still pleased with you when you make a mistake. When your world turns upside down or right side up, he's still pleased with you. What do you mean, he's pleased, pleased with my sin? No, he's pleased with you, he removes the sin from you. That's what Jesus did. And if you understand that you are the righteousness of Christ and He identified you, He has affirmed you, our responsibility is to identify and affirm the Christ in you. And then we live life together in the wilderness. It's called a 40 hour a week job sometimes. Sometimes it's being at home when your things are a little rocky. Sometimes it's when your, 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 your body's not cooperating with the rest of your mind, or sometimes your mind's not cooperating with the rest of your body, right? It's real stuff, it's, it's financial pressures, it's marital pressures, it's, 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 it's health, it's jobs up and down, it's back, falling away from where you were, it's all of those things, and, and then some, and then it's celebrating the good. It's your promotions, it's your graduations. It's when the kids come into the, into the, into the, the world. We, we'll bury them with you, unfortunately. But we'll be in the hospital when they, they come out and we dedicate them to the Lord. Right? It's living life together. It's when something happens to you that you weren't expecting. When you end up bankrupt and you realizing I didn't mean to go bankrupt. And I, I, my intentions were good. Listen, we're not going to label you as that. This is all equipping for your next place. But you don't understand. I mean, I was married a long time and it fell apart. You don't, you don't understand. It it just, I, I, I wish I could go back and read. You can't go back and redo. You can't repeat, but you can fast forward. And sometimes God puts you on this plane and, and, and you're living life, and, and, and sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down, depression kind of seeks in a little bit, and you feel a little oppressed, and you're going, God, is this, is this for me, is this not for me? I, don't, I really don't know. The opposite of depression is expression. What you don't express becomes depressed. So he identified me, Father, you're pleased with me, he's pleased with you. Even though I, I fail and I messed up and I, I screwed it all up and I, I could have done it differently and it's all on my hands, and I, get up. Stand up, get, get don't, don't lay there. We will get down and lay down there with you as we help you up. But we won't lay down there with you and let you waller, waller in your pity. Why? Because it gets on both of us. Get up. Why? we got life to live. Yes, it hurts. Yes, there's painful times. Yes, there's, there's things we can't explain. And then, lo and behold, there'll be some religious person that will, or some preacher will tell you that it didn't happen because of this, and didn't happen because of that. And, and, here, and you've got this cause and effect, and I always tell them this every time they tell me this. I hear it all the time. Well, if you'd have prayed a little more, you had a little bit more faith, I just want to say, listen, I recognize you're not speaking on behalf of the Lord right now. I know you're not. Because Jesus healed a blind man that didn't even know who he was. And he didn't have faith. And I believe in God. And you're going to tell me my faith isn't sufficient. I got enough faith to get saved. I got enough faith to stand on whatever I need to stand on. So don't put me in that box. Don't put me in that category. Don't, don't separate me. Don't try to water down what I know he can do for my life. He can turn it all around. He can make it what he wants it to be. And his desire for us is good. So what he does is this, he says, identify, equip. Identify, affirm, equip, and release. The hardest part of the whole thing, everybody wants to do something for the Lord. But you can't do anything and be released to do ministry for the Lord unless you let the Lord first minister to you. John the Baptist. John thought by baptizing Jesus that Jesus should have baptized John, which it sounded right. But John didn't realize, as the high priest, by him baptizing him, it was actually doing something for John, fulfilling righteousness. And you've got to allow the Lord to minister to you. And that first be like, just like Peter. When they were, Jesus was girded he his the towel around himself and begin to wash the feet of the disciples. And he went to every one of them and they were all just thankful and humbled. And and I've been there. I know what that's like when the Lord is blessing you. And But he got to Peter and he says, Peter, Peter says, oh, you can't wash my feet. You're, You're the king. This is another John the Baptist moment. You're the king. You're the Lord. You're the master. You're the savior. I know who you are. The father already revealed this to me. Remember over in Matthew 16, I know who you are. He says, you should, I I can't, you can't wash my feet. I need to wash your feet. I need to do something for you, Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have nothing in me. Peter had another revelation. I've got to learn to receive from Christ before I ever can give to my brothers. He said, wash my hands, wash my feet, wash all over me, wash everywhere. And the Lord, he let Jesus serve him. We're talking about the king of kings and the lord of lords master serving him. He's going to let him serve. You have to allow the lord to serve you. How does that look in practicality? I'll tell you how it is. This is my son. This is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. That's you. And you have to be able to separate your junk from his love. You have to be able to separate your actions, your work, your efforts from his love. And when you can receive his love and recognize this is my son, if you don't get that right and that message does not go to the world, we'll have people serving God out of a servant's heart, not out of a son and daughter's heart. Yeah. And when you serve out of a servant's heart, it's wages and earnings versus effort. But out of a son and daughter, it's out of relationship and inheritance. Yeah. And if you fail when you serve as a son, you don't get kicked out of the house. Yeah. But if you fail when you serve as a servant, you never know, Their contract could be cut off at any moment. You could lose your job. It's not a job as a son. It's a job when you serve as a servant. How do you go from a servant to a son? Identify. Affirm. You're pleased with me, God? Yeah, I'm pleased with you. You mean to tell me, I know, my, I know stuff about you that you don't know stuff about you, he would say. And I'm still pleased with you. What? And that message and that as it permeates and penetrates into the depths of who you are, guilt starts rolling off of you. Yeah. Condemnation and shame starts rolling off of you. Look back and say, where are, where, where? Because the enemy would want that in front of you, so you'll know that you have to deal with that to get to God. God says, I don't even deal with that, I deal with you, and it just falls away. So you're now ready for what? Life to be equipped to continue on your journey day up and day down to go, oh God, some days I'm up, some days I'm down. Yeah, it, it, I, I know people that do this. I'm blessed and highly favored. I appreciate it about you, but today, today it stinks. You're right, you might know what I'm talking about. You, those people, they hug you and they kiss you around. I wish I could be like that. I just walk away going, Jesus. Why are they highly favored and blessed? Yeah. And, and because my day is down. And if you feel down, don't try to pump yourself up. This isn't an emotional roller coaster. It's a spiritual discernment. And what do you go back to is when the life gets tough and things get down, I get down. Sometimes I get upset, I get frustrated. And then I go to the Lord in my prayer closet and I say, listen, I'm your son whom you're well pleased. Right? I don't hear anything back, it's how it works. And finally I just say, listen, I'm having a bad day. It's been a bad two days. In fact, this has been a terrible month. And I'm struggling, and you already know that. And I don't know why I'm sitting here telling you when you already know that, but I'm telling you anyway. I don't know how to get rid of this moment in my life. I don't know how to get rid of this place in my, and the Lord always takes me back after I fuss and, 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 and rant for a while. He always takes me back to, why are you focused on your insufficiencies? Why are you focused on your inadequacies? Why are you focused on the letdowns and, the, and, and what's short? and what, why, why can't you just come to me and say, Lord, I'm well pleased, but I don't understand the cycle of life I'm in right now. And he may not ever answer that moment of your life, but I promise you this. If you can settle that you're his son and daughter and he's well pleased, there'll be a moment in time that the the, the life situation that's got you sucked in in a bad place or a hard place will kick you out and you'll be released and you won't even know what you got in your last season, but I promise you, you'll take it with you in your next. Your heart will be broken during those times. You'll feel low and how can I get up. You'll learn patience and endurance, and nobody wants that. We like endurance, but we don't like patience. And we go through the process. Now what I saw that night at Beckley was I saw a bunch of people And the Lord spoke to me and said, I see that all over. I just want you to be the expression of Christ in everyday real life. Not not fake, not phony, genuine, genuine. I just want you to love people in their mess, and I want you to love people if they're not in a mess. I want you to help them see the, the me in them and identify it and affirm it and then use all your resources, your influence, the people you know, the things you have, everything, to equip them that they might be able to be released into everyday real life, to be the expression of Him everywhere you go. That's who we are, that's what we do. It's the fabric and the fiber of our church. Does that bear witness with anybody in here today? Rex, bring me those cards if you will. Here's what I'm gonna do. I've never done this before, but I'm gonna do it today because I feel strongly compelled. I felt like this last night. It's a building dedication. It's where we are. And as Mike was praying about every inch of the building, all of that, he just kind of confirms. What I'm gonna do is, we're gonna have the kids come back in in a minute. I'm gonna introduce you to a good friend of mine. I'm gonna have him and her, his wife greet the, uh, the people he spoke last night and tore the place apart. Um, but I wanna do something. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment with nobody looking around. I'm not gonna do an altar call for salvation. This is a different type of service, but what I am gonna do is this. I want to receive a, an offering. It's going to go towards the building fund, but it's not an offering for the building fund. It's an offering from you. And we've already received an offering today for tithes and offering, but this is something special and different. And for the last 90 minutes, you've had a, an opportunity to hear the Lord, to be with the Lord, see the Lord, whatever. And many of you have given to the program, if not all of you have given to the building program anyway, but this is from you. This is an offering from the heart, your heart, unto the Lord. It just happens to be where it's going to be. It's going to come here today. I want you to just bow your hands and close your eyes. And I want you to ask the Lord what he would have you to give. If it's nothing, it's nothing. If it's $5, it's $5. If it's $25,000, whatever he tells you to give, I'm not telling you what to do. But this isn't coming for a need. Today is not based on our need. Even though we have needs, it's not that. This is coming from you, from your heart. No one's looking around, and I want this to be a private moment. And I have special offering envelopes up here that are colored that we've been using for the last. If you need an offering envelope, I want you to raise your hand. Nobody's gonna look at you. Did the Lord lay it on your heart? To, yes. I just need a couple, people. nobody's looking around. these out. Please keep your head bowed and your eyes closed if you don't mind. Just keep your hands up if you don't mind. Now if you're not prepared today to have a check or anything like that and you want an offering envelope to put on there, you can still turn it in and we can catch up with you this week for a check or however you want to do it, um, or however you want to give. So don't let don't let not being prepared be in the way. People are still coming around, heads bowed and eyes closed, and our hands are still up. I see hands around. I see hands. from a grateful heart, from your, from your heart to the Lord. We have received offerings based on our need and our vision. That's not what this is. For the last 90 minutes, you've either been tugged at your heart or moved and you've seen the Lord in a different light. Maybe the message kind of just jarred you. If it did, I must ask you to respond to him, not to some man trying to manipulate you and some need that we're trying to get fulfilled here to build. No, that's not it. I see another hand in the back over there. Anybody else? I'm going to do it myself, but I don't have a checkbook with me. So I'm going to fill out an offering envelope and then I'll figure that out during the week. So if you know, if, if you have anybody, uh, in fact, that, that's you too. Go ahead and do that as well. There's one right over here, back here. Anybody else? Hmm. I'm gonna. I'll take him. Okay, you guys can look at me now if you will. Go ahead and fill out your envelope. Brother Jim, Diane, would you guys come up front here real quick if you don't mind? Brother Jim Delbridge and his wife Diane. He's standing right here. That way you don't have to come steps. I'm going to give you a microphone. This man and, and his wife, they, they've been with us from the, almost from the very beginning. Friends of Candy's. We've known him for a few years. He, he prays for us every single day. Last night he came in here and just tore the place apart and prophesied over a lot of people. I just want you to greet the people and tell them whatever the Lord's telling you before the kids come and sing and we have our fall fest here.
0: One of the things the Lord when I walked in today. You remember in Acts when the Pentecost came and all of them thought the guys and gals were all drunk and all, you know, and Peter stood up and said, no, brothers, you don't understand. This is that. And this right now is a this is that moment. That the anointing of God is poured out upon every one of you you're so blessed to have this place because like i said last night there's a portal open here now and this is going to be a jerusalem church and God's going to richly bless this place and let me tell you this by the spirit of the living God when expression church speaks in love the whole world will hear you do you hear that? The whole world will know when you speak. Isn't that an awesome thing? I so appreciate your Pastor.
2: <laughs> we, we cry a lot. <laughs> we love a lot.
0: <laughs> and he's sweet wife. But more of all, Jesus. And He's here. And he is, uh, I've run across a lot of pastors, but he's legit. Amen. Here, sweetie. I'll start crying.
2: It's such an honor for us to be here today. And if you were here last night, the Holy Spirit works with me. I I see pictures. I see things. And uh, as Pastor Kevin was speaking, uh, and when he would do his hands, he kept doing his hands like this. It was just like golden seeds were just coming out of His hands. And I saw a garden planted and and life was just springing up. All these different ministries. Uh, I saw a pancake ministry, uh, uh, a Harley bike ministry, uh, a dance ministry. (laughs) Just uh, It was just a blessing and I could just see those plants coming up and they were so green and so beautiful and we're just blessed to be here and God's blessings on each and every one. There's some mighty, mighty sweet people as we say in Alabama, where I grew up. <laughs> and we're just blessed and
0: honored to be here. Let me take just one more thing there. I see a storm coming. Now I say, oh no, I don't want a storm. I see a storm coming, but the clouds are gold and it's raining diamonds. You're so blessed. All these little fellas and girls, look at that. Isn't that a new young man? So awesome. Thank you for having us. And pastor, thank you for having us. It's such a blessing. You're a blessing to us.
1: We're going to bring all the kids up. And there's a bunch of them. Do we have a basket or do we have, are we going to pass the bag? Let's do that. Are you all ready to, to, to put your offering in? Let's do it. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. God, I, I, I'm just honored to stand before this people and before you. And graciously say thank you. Lord, you've been faithful the whole journey, and I know you'll be faithful all the way through the end. We bless you, and I bless these people, and I bless the offering that they give. Nothing was done out of coercion or nothing done out of manipulation. This was not even out of a need or a vision, God. It was all based on from their heart. I bless them as they bless you with their offering in Jesus' name. Amen.